Church, if you will, get your Bibles out with me and go to Matthew chapter 1. And this week, as I was preparing my notes for this sermon, I came across an article that was published by Forbes.com about a psychological study that was performed in 1988. And the psychological study that was performed was by Robert Rosenthal and a school principal by the name of Lenore Jackson partnered together to devise a study. And their goal was to measure the effect that teachers' expectations had on the students' performance. And so they gave the teachers a list of names of certain students that each of them had in their classes. And they had performed well on the intelligence test. Is that my microphone making all that racket? Are we good? Maybe. Do I need to go to the handheld? Am I good? All right. Maybe. Do we need to go to handheld? All right, we'll do that. Technology is great till it isn't, isn't it, church? So anyway, am I on now? Test one, two? All right. So they gave the teachers in the school the names of certain number of students in each of their classes who had performed well on the intelligence pretest. And the teachers were told that these students would blossom academically in the coming year. But what the teachers weren't told was what, is that the pretest was a farce. And the students who were supposedly primed to exhibit intellectual growth had actually been chosen at random. However, when all these students were tested later on in the school year, Rosenthal and Jacobson found that those students whom the teachers had been told would excel actually got smarter and they scored higher and showed greater improvement than their peers. And then they asked this question, how could this be the case if these students had truly been chosen at random? Well, what Rosenthal and Jacobson discovered is that there wasn't an inherent aptitude that predicted academic success. They found this. It was their teacher's belief in them that accounted for the growth of those students. It was the teacher's belief of those students. Because they believed in their students could and would succeed, the teachers often unknowingly gave more attention to those students and engaged with them differently than they did with other kids from whom they did not have any special expectations. The teachers were told that these students would succeed, and so the teachers developed a belief in them, and they gave special attention to them unknowingly, and therefore, because of the teachers' belief, these students succeeded more than their peers did. This phenomenon is known as the Pygmalion effect. And what's interesting is they actually have done more studies on this, and it has shown that this belief, this phenomenon, can be seen in other areas, such as the workplace, as in the classroom. And the study found it's about believing in people. It's about believing in them. It's about seeing the best in people. We all know we have faults, right? We all know that we're not perfect, but the study found it's about believing the best in them. 
And two weeks ago, we began this study where we were looking at the characters of the Christmas story in their own context. And two weeks ago, we studied the shepherds and how the shepherds seized the moment. The shepherds took hold of the opportunity that was given to them, and they seized that moment. How we all need to learn how to seize the moment. How during the Christmas season and throughout the year, there are moments when we have an opportunity to witness and to minister and to help and to be there for people. And in those moments, we have a choice. Either we can step away or we can seize the moment. And then last week, we looked at the wise men and their journey and how they kept their eye on the goal and how they never quit and how we must have that same attitude in both the physical life and the spiritual life. We all have physical goals. We all have personal goals and family goals, and we need to keep our eye on that goal. But we also need to keep our eye on the ultimate goal, which is heaven. And there will be tough times. No matter how tough it gets, we must persevere and keep our eye on that goal. And we looked at that last week, how the wise men had to persevere through some things, and they were able to ultimately get to their goal, which is seeing the Christ child. And we need to persevere through that. And so this, this Sunday, this week, we're going to be learning about a man that I believe that we don't give enough attention to. A godly man, a strong man, a man that was thrown into a situation that he did not understand. But yet, he stayed with God, he leaned with God, and because of that, he came out on top and he was able to glorify God. And that man was Mary's husband, Joseph. If we go back to the, the study in the Forbes that I shared with you, I want you all to know something. I believe it is vital to believe in people. I truly believe that everyone needs someone to believe in them, especially when undertaking a difficult or unusual situation. Have you ever had somebody believe in you? Whenever you were going through tough times, whenever you were coming across a difficult situation, have you guys ever had somebody that said, you know what, I'm going to be here to encourage you, I'm going to be here to push you, I'm going to be here to motivate you. Somebody who said, no matter what's going to happen, I've got it for you. I'm here for you. I'm going to continue pushing you on and encouraging you. There's something special about that, isn't it? I want you to think back to that moment when you knew somebody was believing in you. Think about what it does for you when somebody believes. Think about the encouragement that comes with it. Knowing that, you know what, it might be tough right now, but I know somebody's got my back. The security that comes with it. Knowing, you know what, I may fail, but they still love me. And the self-confidence that comes with it, knowing, you know what, I may stumble and I may fall, but they've got my back no matter what. Therefore, I know that I can, I can keep pushing forward. There's something very strong and powerful about having somebody believe in you, knowing that there's a person behind you, pushing you, cheering you on, motivating you, helping you, and showering you with love, support, and kindness. And I truly believe that everybody needs to have that person in their life. And I truly believe that all of us need to be that person for somebody. We all need somebody to believe in us, and we all need to believe in other people. And as I read this story, the Christmas story, and I look at the story of Joseph in the context of the Christmas story, his strong belief in Mary was astounding. To see that how he just loved her and, and adored her during a time in her life when she truly needed support and love from her loved ones. He had a belief in her that was unmatched to anybody else. He believed in her. Through his love and through this hard time that was coming, he said, you know what? That's the one I love. 
and I'm going to believe in her no matter what. But in order to fully understand the complexity of his belief for her, we must look at the background of the story in its full context. Remember we said that week one, we're going to look at the context of the story so we can really get a hold of what uh, it's talking about. And so we need to see and understand the relationship between Mary and Joseph because the relationship between these two is what makes this so vital, right? So here they are. They're not married, but yet she's pregnant. They're not married, but yet she's got a baby inside of her. Now, in our current culture, we don't shun girls like that, right? We don't, we don't say anything. We, we support them. However, back then, you got to go back to the context of the times. You have to understand the historical context. Back then, it was taboo to get pregnant out of wedlock. It was taboo, yet that didn't, it was socially unacceptable to get pregnant out of wedlock. And so here, here they are, they're engaged to get married. They have not, and, and I think the children already left, so they haven't slept together yet. But yet she winds up pregnant. Put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Uh-oh. And then she comes out and says, but it's the child of God, Supposedly. Now, we understand hindsight, right? We have the scripture. We know it's truth. We know he, Jesus was a child of God, but, but put yourself in the context of that story. Culturally, it was unacceptable for her to be pregnant out of wedlock, and yet here she is. And now Joseph has a decision to make. You see, the, the, the engagement period back then looked a little bit different than, it, than, than today. The Jewish marriage looked a little bit different. There were steps to it. The first step was the engagement, and this was really nothing more than just an arranged contract. This is where it said, you know what? I want to marry you. You want to marry me. Let's get married someday. And then you had the second step, which is the betrothal step, and this was a very serious step, and this is where Mary and Joseph were actually at. This is where they're basically married. They, everybody knows they are going to be together forever. And this was a, this was a lengthy time. This was, I think, uh, once I said about a year, uh, how long this period lasted. And this is where they were basically married, but the intimacy wasn't there. That's, a, that's the G-rated way to say that. The intimacy wasn't there quite yet. But, they, but everybody knows they're the ones that are going to be together. So you had the engagement, you had the betrothal step, but then you had the marriage itself. And this step included everything. They were, they were married. However, that's not where Mary and Joseph were at yet. Mary and Joseph were in step two. They were in that phase where they were, they, everybody knew they were getting married, but yet they weren't. And that's where we see in the Christmas story taking place. And now we're going to look at Joseph and the role that he played and there are several things that I, that I want to share with you this morning that I truly appreciate about Joseph. Because when we look at the Christmas story, we, we kind of gloss over Joseph, don't we? we? We give a lot of light to Mary because she was the one chosen to carry the Christ child. And then we talk about the shepherds and the wise men and all the journey they took. But Joseph, is a, he's a lot like normal fathers, right? He kind of just gets glossed over. He's the, the wallet, the paycheck, and he's the one that's supposed to do all the work. But you know what? We're not going to really give the father much credit. Right, gentlemen? Sometimes we just feel like we get glossed over, especially on Christmas morning, right? The moms sit there all excited. Look what we bought them. And the kids are all excited about the gift, and us men are sitting there like, oh, we bought them that? Cool. <laughs> right? So we kind of get glossed over. And unfortunately, Joseph, in this story, we have a tendency to gloss over him. But there's a lot of things that we can learn about Joseph. 
There's a lot of things that he can teach us. And the underlying fact about it all is that he had a strong belief in Mary. And we're going to look at that right now. So I want to share with you five things that I truly appreciate about Joseph and the things that we can learn from him. And number one is this, his relationship with God. His relationship with God was second to none. It's obvious that, that he must have been a pretty righteous man, right? I mean, I mean, think about this for a second. God looked down and picked Mary. But do you think he looked just at Mary? Absolutely not. He had to look at Mary and her future husband, the man that was going to be the earthly father of his only begotten son. And so God looked down and said, you know what? I find you worthy to parent my child while he's on earth. I think it's verse 19 that says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, listen to what it says there, was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly. Because remember what we said? It was taboo for, for her to get pregnant out of wedlock back then, right? And so here she was. He found out she's pregnant. And he said he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And so here we have this man named Joseph he has now come out that Mary's pregnant, and the Bible says that he's a righteous man. And his righteousness basically caused him to do two things. Number one, it caused him to treat Mary very well. His righteousness, his relationship with God said, you have to treat your future bride well. Don't you mistreat her. So what did, what did the scripture say? He said that he was going to break it off quietly. He didn't want to bring any shame to her. In those days, like we said, a woman getting pregnant out of wedlock, it was a horrific offense. But Joseph, being a righteous man, seeing the condition of Mary, not at that point fully understanding, because we have to remember, he hasn't had the dream yet. That's later on, getting, getting the verse, I think it's verse 20 or 21. He hasn't quite yet had the dream that said, look, you got to take her as your bride. So what does he do? Him not understanding fully yet what happened. He says, you know what? I'm not going to disgrace her publicly. I'm not going to mistreat her. I'm not going to shame her. I'm not going to put her out. According to him, she made a mistake, right? According to him, she, she must have stepped out. But him being a righteous man says, you know what? I got it. She's pregnant. It's not mine but I'm gonna treat her well anyway. I'm not gonna condemn her. I'm not gonna put her down. So we're just gonna end this quietly. We're gonna end it privately. He examined the situation and he made the best decision for her and himself, so he thought. He treated her well. How many of us can say when somebody, so we think, hurts us, treat them well? His righteousness caused him to treat her well. And the second thing was, is he did not break God's law. His righteousness comes forth because he did not live with her, right? He could have said, well, she's pregnant. I'm just going to go ahead and do my thing. I'm going to let you fill in the blank there, right? She's pregnant, so there's no other consequence for me doing my thing. However, what did he do? The standard of holiness, righteousness, and purity was still kept. He didn't break God's law. He said, you know what? I got it. She may have stepped out. Something is going on here. She's pregnant. I'm not going to let my righteousness be tainted by, my, by me being upset or angry towards her. I'm not going to break God's law just because things didn't go my way. So his righteousness, his relationship with God caused him to treat Mary very well, and he never broke God's law. He clung through this whole process that he did not understand. He clung to his relationship with God. 
The second thing that I truly appreciate about Joseph, which we've talked about already, is his attitude toward Mary. Look at verse 20. As he considered this, it says, or some translations say, after he considered this. In this situation, think about this for a second. Put yourself in that situation. Put yourself in his shoes. Because it's real easy for us to, to judge and condemn or, or talk about it if we're just standing back, if we're the third party, right? But put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Here you are engaged to be married, and you're in the serious phase. This is, you're, you're getting ready to take that step, and then you find out, uh-oh, she's pregnant. The woman that you're going to marry, the woman that you love and adore and care for and cannot wait to spend the rest of your life, because what we have to understand is back then, divorce was not as easy as it is today. When they said, I do, it meant forever for them. They said, I'm going to, I, we're not, we're not going to give an easy out. You, when you choose to marry her, you're with her forever. And so here is this man who has made this commitment to her, said, I love you, I adore you, and that gets thrown into this horrific situation. In reality, the truth is, how many of us would have, would have acted that way, treated her well? How many of us, when we find ourselves in a situation like that, would actually look, because the normal reaction in this type of setting would be, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect me? Because when we find ourselves in tough situations, when somebody does something to me, the truth is, we like to sit back and think, how is this going to hurt me and my reputation? Because you got to think about it. Put, put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Way back in the, I mean, way back in the day, a thing like that was taboo, and so she finds that she's pregnant. I mean, we all know how gossip works, right? Come on, church people, we all know how gossip works, don't we? So here you are engaged, all of a sudden your future bride gets pregnant. People are going to talk, aren't they? What are they doing behind closed doors? Oh my goodness. He says he has a relationship with God, yet his fiance is pregnant. I mean, people are going to start talking, right? And so our immediate thought is, oh no, this person over here messed up. It's going to reflect badly on me. And so what do we have a tendency to do? Well, I'm going to cut that other person down. I'm going to belittle them so they think I have no more affiliation with them. I'm going to belittle them because they made the mistake. I'm going to make sure that everybody downs them, but I still look perfect. Because I don't want this to negatively affect me. But what did, what did Joseph do? He asked a question, how is this going to affect Mary? How is this going to affect her? You see, he didn't personalize. He didn't, he didn't turn it into a selfish thing. He said, how is this going to affect the woman that I love? How is this going to affect her? Better yet, how can I protect her in the midst of this? How many of us ask that question? When things are going tough and we think that we have to protect ourselves, how many of us are willing to protect the other person? Or how many of us join in in the gossip and we cut them down and belittle them? Oh, I truly appreciate Joseph in this story, guys. His attitude towards Mary, I mean, that's something to model after. When things aren't going right, we've got to stop to learn to stop belittling people. Stop tearing them down. We've got to learn to protect them and say, how is this situation going to affect them? Stop being selfish about it. Stop saying, how is this going to affect me? And look and say, how is this going to affect the other person? How are my words and actions going to affect them? How am I reacting in a time of distress? 
Am I taking care of those around me or am I belittling them? His attitude towards Mary was something else, guys. Secondly, or thirdly, his sensitivity to God is greatly to be admired. He was so sensitive to God and God's will. You see, by the time you get to the first part of verse 20, he's already making plans, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he, he already had a whole plan in mind. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divorce her quietly. I'm just going to make sure she's taken care of, and I'm just going to go about my business. God has not yet spoken to him, and he's planning to put her out quietly. But then we see where it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, the sensitivity that Joseph had at this point is astounding. Because the truth is, let's just be honest, church. At times, it's hard to be sensitive to God, isn't it? It's hard to be sensitive to God and his will. It's tough at times. And as I was preparing my notes for the sermon, I, I began to write down some things that I believe it's hard to be sensitive to God in these moments. And so this is what I found it's hard to be sensitive to God when, well, you've already made your own plans. You see, Joseph had already made his own plans. Joseph said, I'm going to put her out quietly. And at times when things start getting tough for us, we begin to make our own plans, don't we? How many of you are like your preacher and lay there at night and stare at the ceiling and say, you know what, I'm just going to do this, that, or the other. I'm not going to be able to sleep for the next four days, but I'm going to do this, this, and the other. Instead of saying, God, what's your plan? You see, it's hard to be sensitive to God whenever I'm already making my own plans in my head. I say, this is how I'm going to handle it. This is how Andrew's going to do it. And no one's going to change my mind. And then when God says, no, no, I got a plan for you, I sit back and think, but I already got a plan. And it's a good plan because I'm always right. I'm not looking over at my wife right now. Right? We think we're always right, so we make our own plans. It's hard to be sensitive to God. We don't want to be sensitive to God. We say, I got my own plans, God. I'm typically right. This will work out well. And God's in there, no, 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 I got a plan for you. And we're sitting there fighting. No, I got my own plans, God. I've seen what happened in the past. I, I got this. Joseph had his own plans. The second thing that has, we have a tendency to do that makes it sense, hard to be sensitive to God is when you are emotionally involved with the problem. None of us here are ever driven by emotion, are we? Joseph, the truth is, he was emotionally involved, wasn't he? I mean, can you imagine how he felt in that time? The woman that he was engaged to, can you imagine the emotions that he had felt? The woman that he has decided to spend the rest of his life with turns out to be pregnant, and it's not his. Think about the emotions that would have went through him. Think about how angry he must have become. But yet he was able to see clearly God's plan because he listened. He listened to God. The problem is, is when we react emotionally, we blind ourselves to be able to see where God wants to take us and we turn off our ears and we can no longer hear him and listen to him because we're being driven by our own human emotions. And I'm going to tell you right now, your emotions are sometimes wrong. He was, he was not driven by emotions. 
He was willing to open up himself and say, Lord, what do you want from me right now? The problem is, is when we are emotionally involved in a situation, we like to be emotionally driven by that, and we blind ourselves to what God's trying to do. It makes it very hard to be sensitive to God when we're driven by emotion. The third thing is when risk is involved. It's hard to hear God and be sensitive to him if we think that we are going to lose something. God, I have to let go of what? God, I have to give, get rid of, seriously? You want me to move away from who? You want me to give how much? But it's my day off. You want me to volunteer for what? It's going to hurt how bad? And then we say, no, I can't do it. You see, there was risk involved him taking her as a bride. You guys know that, right? There was risk involved to it. And yet he said, no, God's got a plan, and I believe in Mary. I believe her. God has spoken to her and myself, and we know there's risk involved, but we're going to do it anyway because God's got a plan. The problem is, it's hard to be sensitive to God's will when there's risk involved. And then it's hard to be sensitive to God's will when God's plan doesn't make any sense, right? I was trying to find, there's a meme on, on Facebook, and you see a roller, roller coaster going down. And it said, me, when I'm trying to uh, follow the Holy Spirit, and you see this little boy all cringing, I couldn't find it. And it says, sometimes that's how the Holy Spirit is, right? We're just on a roller coaster, right? We don't, all, we don't always, we can't make sense of it. And God's standing there, look, I, I got you. You, you. you can't see what's happening right now. You can't see what's coming forward, but I just, I need you to hold on. And the Holy Spirit's saying, just, just hang tight. Enjoy the ride, because when it stops, there's something amazing waiting on you. You've just got to be willing to take the ride, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Because listen to me, we, have, we are not infinite like God. He has infinite wisdom. We don't. And if he would tell us what he was doing, church, we wouldn't believe it. It's hard to be sensitive to God when God's plan doesn't make sense. But trust me, church, it's worth it. And finally, it's hard to be sensitive to God's plan when other people won't understand. The sad reality is we're not sensitive to hear God if we're afraid of what others might think. We believe that listening to God is less important than our likes on Facebook. We're afraid of other people's judgment. You don't think Joseph was going to be judged by other people, guys? He was. But he said, you know what? God's got a plan. I'm going to take her as my wife. That's my wife. That's my God. I don't care what you say. We've got a purpose. You don't think they were going to judge him, church? Those are the things that, unfortunately, make it very difficult for us to be sensitive to God. But Joseph was very sensitive to God, and he was willing, and this is what I admire about him, number four, Joseph was, a, was willing to obey God. You see, his obedience to God was second to none. His obedience is something to be admired. There are four times in Scripture that we find God interacting with Joseph, and all four times, obedient is the predominant characteristic of his life. Joseph took Mary as his wife. We see that in verse 24. 
They fled to Egypt. We see that in Matthew chapter 2. He returned to Israel, Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. And he went to Nazareth, Matthew 2, verse 22 through 23. He always obeyed. The obedient meant risk. The obedience meant that he was going to have to sacrifice something. It meant inconvenience because of the long journeys. It meant that he was going to be separated from friends and family. It meant that he was going to have to sacrifice something, but he obeyed regardless. He said, Lord, I got it. You got a plan. I can't see the future, but I know who holds the future. Therefore, I'm going to obey you. His relationship with God, his attitude toward Mary, his sensitivity to God, his obedience. And lastly, church, this is what we're ending on. I appreciate Joseph's desire to glorify God. It all came down to him wanting to glorify God. Why am I doing what I'm doing, church? Ask yourself that question. You see, Joseph was doing what he was doing because he wanted to glorify God. Look at verse 25. It says, Joseph kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called him Jesus. Joseph did not want to interrupt the plan that God had put into place. Joseph knew that God had a desire and a plan. He didn't want to hinder that in any way. He had a desire to keep God preeminent in his life. He said, no matter what happens, I'm going to make sure God is glorified in the midst of this. No matter what's going on, I want to make sure God is glorified. And so when God chose an earthly father for Jesus, he chose Joseph. Because he knew that he was a man worth it, guys. Do you guys see the five characteristics there? Do you see all five of them? It's this, the importance of a right relationship with God. It's a healthy attitude toward women. It's a sensitivity to listen to God, an obedient heart, a desire to glorify God. Those are the five characteristics that Joseph had. And if you actually read the Gospels, if you read the life of Jesus Christ, what's interesting is you will see all five of these characteristics in the life of Jesus. God knew what he was doing when he picked the earthly father. And church, I want to tell you this morning, I believe in you guys. We all need to grab a hold of these five characteristics, the importance of a right relationship, a healthy attitude towards women, a sensitivity to listen to God, an obedient heart, and a desire to glorify God. Don't gloss over the story of Joseph. Don't gloss over this character, guys. Learn from him. Because I believe that all of us need these, and I believe that all of us have the capability of having these characteristics. I believe that, guys. Do you believe that? Stand to your feet with me. Worship team, if you will.
breath.